You're listening to a Mamma Mia podcast. Mamma Mia acknowledges the traditional owners of land and waters that this podcast is recorded on. From Mamma Mia, welcome to The Spill, your daily pop culture fix. I'm Laura Brodnick. And I'm Chelsea McLaughlin. And Laura, have you seen all the incredible breaking celebrity news today? There's just too much to keep up with. There's headlines coming at me. There's breaking news. There's theories. Why don't you just tell us rapid fire what's going on? Okay, so first of all, there's... Okay, yeah, so we joke. There is absolutely nothing going on with the celebrities. They've all gone away for the holidays. They're out doing whatever rich people do the week before Christmas. And... It's frankly quite boring out there in celebrity world. Yeah, and you know how you can tell? So even sometimes if there's a bit of a slow news day, you know, we've got to do a daily podcast, so we always rally Mm -hmm. and find some sort of deep dive issue, some little thing to hook off and broaden the show out. It's a whole ordeal, guys. And you can tell everyone's struggling at the same time because you go onto, like, the homepage of people and they've just got a rundown of all these different stories of, like, meet such and such as children. Who are (laughs) Hilary Duff's parents? And I was like, ooh, pulling out the archives. And then you go onto the cut and you're like, okay, they'll have some good stuff. Nothing against this story. We've all written them on a slow day, but it was every thought I had when watching When Harry Met Sally. Great movie, love it, no notes on that story, (laughs) but it is that kind of thing that you have an evergreen list and when there's a day like this, Mm -hmm. you reach for it. I guess the only person who's really doing any work, ironically, because she gets her ass up and works. Get your fucking ass up and work. Is one Kim Kardashian, who's gone absolutely bonkers on Instagram sharing all of her Christmas decorations. I guess like in typical Kim Kardashian style, it's absurd and you think it's scary. Yeah, I, I mean, <laughs> I do think Kim Kardashian's house is scary. <laughs> Not scary. So it's always a big beige echoing palace. You know, it's yeah. always, it doesn't feel very homey. But in the light of day on the Kardashians, which I watch a lot, <laughs> with all the kids running around, it's full of people. Like, it's kind of fine. And I understand that clean, calm aesthetic. And I know beige is her favorite color, which is a real choice personality-wise. She's been doing a video series on her Instagram stories lately. She was walking slowly through her house late at night, showing off her Christmas decorations. And I think she thought it was like a magical, beautiful experience, but it felt like a horror movie to me. (laughs) So usually her whole like bathroom and bedroom and everything is just all glass windows on a ground level, which everyone knows is a serial killer invitation. And now she's had it covered with these thick, dark Christmas trees wrapping around the house. And I was like, I know you have security, Kim, but like there's someone out there. Who's out there? You are painting this like it is a big, scary horror film. It's not. They're Christmas trees decorated with Christmas lights. I don't know if I'm like just overly into the weird, wholesome nature of it all, but I'm like, it's beautiful. It's magical. This is the one time I would want to step foot in Kim Kardashian's, as you say, scary beige home because it makes it warm and inviting as all Christmas decorations should No, do. you watch those videos back and you'll see serial killers. Anyway, <laughs> unpopular opinion, Kim Kardashian's house scares me, but not because of the colour, because of the decorations. Okay, well, from one unpopular opinion to a bunch more unpopular opinions, that is what today's show is all about. Our unpopular opinions about TV in 2023. It may be unpopular, but it's true. (laughs) 
It's been a big year of TV and celebrity culture and pop culture moments. And with having to put out a daily podcast, we are across every little, I guess, opinion, trend, up and down, all that sort of thing. So coming to the end of the year and one of our last shows for 2023, we wanted to just have a little look back on the year that was and without getting ourselves cancelled, without getting too many people upset, (laughs) touch on some very unpopular TV opinions. Because Out of all the years that I've worked in entertainment, it's been many, many years now, this is the year I noticed this cementing of one ideal around pop culture. Like, this is good, this is bad. This is a TV we should watch, this isn't. This celebrity deserves to be here, this person doesn't. And sometimes when we're in, like, the heat of the moment, you know, making a daily show, you'll just go with the trend. Not because you don't believe it, because you're like, oh, that's right. And it's only now with a bit of hindsight we've had time to look back on some of the most popular shows and people and ideas from the year and be like, hmm. That might not be correct. So, Chelsea, you've been holding back this year. What is your unpopular TV opinion of 2023? Okay. Well, you said we don't want to get cancelled, but I don't know. Don't expect too soon. Who knows? <laughs> it's going to happen. Go. <laughs> My first unpopular opinion, and we've actually spoken about reality TV just kind of like broadly here on The Spill a few times this year about how, you know, it's having a bit of a rough time if you're talking about your reality tv shows that you you know we used to sit down at 7 30 p.m in a weeknight and all watch it together and all communicate and read the memes and talk about it the next day and i can acknowledge that maybe we've moved on from that but my unpopular opinion is that reality tv as a whole was actually really good this year. You just had to look outside. You Do not make that face No, me, I'm not. I know we're here for unpopular opinions, but you've gone <laughs> hard right out the gate because we've talked so much about how ratings for TV shows, like reality TV shows, are down across the board from Survivor through to The Bachelor. Some shows like The Bachelorette never even saw the light of day. We had those big Australian TV shows like The Challenge that had these all-star casts and massive production budgets all set up to be the TV talking points of the year and they all died slow, painful, but also (laughs) ultimately quick deaths. And now the conversation that we've been having is that it seems that reality TV, especially dating shows and like challenge shows or like bringing back familiar faces, that mode of TV that we've relied on for ratings and conversations for the last 10 years has gone. And I can agree with that, but I think we need to just broaden our reality TV horizons a little bit. So I guess my first point is maths, which, you know, we've spoken about a lot, but I do think that maths kind of bucks that overall trend because maths just continues to be maths and do its thing Mm. every year. And it just I always call it the cockroach of reality TV here in Australia. No matter how outlandish it gets, it will always sort of get people talking, get people tuned in. There's always discussions happening around it. And so love it or hate it, I know that you're not a huge fan. It is kind of important to the overall landscape of television at this point. And I think this year, and I am kind of biased as I recapped it and I had to get incredibly, incredibly deep into every bloody nook and cranny of that show and its contestants. So I really liked maths this year and so did so many of the spillers because two of our most listened to shows of the year were about maths and its various scandals. So we will link those in the show notes if you'd like to relive that. So, you know, that's my one sort of counterpoint. But then I also think some of the streamers are doing reality TV really well. So, for example, Love Triangle, which came out with its second season on Stan in October, 
I really, really enjoyed it. And it is an interesting kind of approach to reality TV. It's from the creators of Maths. It has all those sort of elements of, you know, you put strangers together and you have all these twists that cause drama and that sort of thing. But it also feels fresh in the way that it's almost wholesome. And I know that sounds kind of counterintuitive, but it's it has your villains. It has all the archetypes that you can expect but I just really enjoyed it. It was one of those shows where it would release one to two episodes a week. You could, you know, watch it on your own pace. And I had a lot of people that would text me after each episode and, you know, we'd have a discussion about it. So it had what used to be the monoculture conversations happening in a more niche way. And so I really encourage anyone who does want a dating show that they can watch. That one's easily accessible on Stan. It's a pretty easy watch. And then my third kind of reality TV thing, just to really hammer this home, is that Squid Game, The Challenge, I had zero hope in this show. (laughs) I don't think many people do. Yeah, it was, you know, Squid Game is all like anti-capitalist. And here you have Netflix doing the classic Netflix thing and being like, we know the point, but we don't really care about the point. (laughs) And we're going to make this hyper-capitalist reality show about it. But I have to say it is genuinely good. It's really gripping. You get angry. You enjoy it. You will go along the journeys of the contestants. And yeah, I think it was one of sort of my major surprises of the year was the fact that I would sit down and watch this show and I would look forward to the week's episodes and it just was a real journey. I'm here to champion reality TV in the year 2023. My unpopular opinion is going against an opinion that I myself championed all year and that is that we need I know I've done a real we love some hypocrisy who am I anymore (laughs) well I've just obviously been quite outspoken about the fact that I feel like we you know rely on reality tv too much as a crutch and I was quite happy about the fact that it was no longer going to be our dominant source of entertainment but looking back on what I've consumed and enjoyed this year and the conversations that have come from some of these different releases I'm going to talk about is the fact that I think we're just done with that idea of these very you know, like dating show, love shows, obviously not the ones you've just mentioned, you're allowed to have that opinion. (laughs) But this idea that we have to return to more narrative celebrity focused releases as the way that pop culture is going. I never thought I'd say this, we need more celeb documentaries, but (laughs) more sort of long form, multiple episodes, behind the scenes, capturing big moments, that sort of stuff. Just think of how many conversations, obviously Meghan and Harry's a bit different because that was like a breakaway from the royal family, but just think how much came out of that. Or like Victoria and David Beckham, how much came from just seeing their little interactions behind the scene and how much fodder that gave us for conversations. So We're very working, working class. Be honest. I, I am being Be honest. honest. That's where we need to go. Maybe next year I'll be watching more reality TV if it's celeb narrative based. <laughs> Perhaps that's why I loved the Robbie Williams docuseries so yes! much. Yes, oh, I forgot about him. That's what I mean, that narrative behind the scenes. Like yeah. a year ago that would have just been one hour moment that he completely curated or it would have been like footage that he'd saved from over the years and that sort of stuff, whereas I feel like this was more someone else telling his story. That's what we need. Celebrities shouldn't be telling their own stories. They should bring in someone else to do it. <laughs> Okay, I feel like we've mostly agreed in this first half, but Laura is going to take down Prestige TV after the break, and I think we're going to be throwing hands. (laughs) Okay, so when I knew we were doing this topic for this episode, I really wanted to rack my brain for like one specific show where I felt like I felt differently to the rest of the people or the weird bubble in which I live and work. And there was one sort of show where I felt like I didn't understand the sort of overall vibe that everyone else had. And I just felt a little bit left out. And that is because I really did not like 
Daisy Jones, and the six. Two hickory burgers, medium rare, and two sides of fries, please. I don't need you to order for me. Well, good, because I didn't. And I feel like everyone else did, and that is true by the fact that it has a 70% Rotten Tomatoes critic score and then an 82% audience score, which is really, really good. It feels like a particularly unpopular opinion to have in the Mamma Mia office where everyone was singing the songs, wearing the merch, just so invested in this show. Okay, but why didn't you like it? Show You need to show your work on this one. Is it because <laughs> did you read the book and love the book and it didn't live up to the hype? Because that's the only other kind of criticism I've heard. No, I have not read the book. Like I knew of the story going in, but I wasn't super across it. For me, I just couldn't find any sort of magic in it. It didn't feel believable to me. I really did not like Sam Claflin as I don't remember Billy. Yeah, Billy. Well, I mean, I think a lot of people would agree with you on that, but sure. He's just Finnick in my mind. (laughs) I just can't see him as anything else. Overall, I just found it yeah, it just lost. It didn't have a spark for me. And I kept thinking about other shows that I love that are set sort of in the same period, like the 70s. I think Minx is kind of like the best show set in the 70s. Better that I've watched than recently. Daisy Jones and the Six, really. I love it. Oh, unpopular opinion. Oh, okay. See, here we go. We're getting feisty. I'm always partial to more of a sort of comedic show. It almost felt a bit like too earnest, maybe. In, the, in, in its tone. And then I obviously love music, things about music, things about bands, and obviously love Fleetwood Mac, which is the sort of undertone of all of this. Is yeah. that it's very so much you thought this was like they... a poor man's Fleetwood Mac's cosplay. <laughs> yeah, I was like, where's Stevie? I need Stevie. <laughs> I do think you're wrong on this, and it was a great show. And I guess we'll see with the when the crazy Golden Globes voters get into yeah. it, where they, I don't think they will because I think they'll want to hang out with more famous people. So this year I took a real stand, just a quiet one-person stand, against... <laughs> against prestige TV. And I've watched some rubbish, but you know what I didn't watch and what I didn't bow to pressure? Succession. The negative case would go, you're a clumsy interloper and no one trusts you. The only guy pulling for you is dead. And now you're just married to the ex-boss's daughter and she doesn't even like you. And everyone's talking about that, about being prestige TV and the best TV show ever. And I've literally been laughed out of like work events with other people saying (laughs) I didn't watch it. But you know what? I watched the first episode and I know what the story is about. You talk about it all the time. And I was like, this is not for me. And I don't understand why we've decided. And if you love it, that's fine. TV should be a personal choice. Like the whole point of TV is that you watch it at home alone (laughs) by yourself if you're lucky or maybe you have to share it with a housemate or something. It's not supposed to be a group activity that we Mm -hmm. all have the same opinion. Having an opinion about TV has become a hobby and that's what we need to get rid of, except for us who have monetized it for our jobs. But everyone else... (laughs) I was about to say, Laura, this is is veering on like putting us out of a job. (laughs) I have literally put myself in the worst job because I don't want to have opinions about TV and I also don't want to interview celebrities. (laughs) I know. I'm going to have to think about that next year. What am I going to do? Fall back. Succession, I just took a stand against it. And again, you watch it. Everyone else is. It's fine. But don't let that dominate what you watch. Like, have a damn opinion. You know what I mean? You watch what you want. And I think maybe we need to get rid of prestige TV and everything being like the show of the moment. So there's so many hot shows, like big shows this year that I haven't watched that I'm totally okay with. And I've probably watched some rubbish on the side, but that's fine. TV is meant to be enjoyable. I hard agree. And I love rubbish. I'm, 90% of what, what I well, watch even is rubbish. rubbish, like I feel bad, like a really, it's hard to make a good TV oh, show. Oh, totally. It's trash. It's that idea where people were saying when the, and just like that, which I also have an unpopular opinion on before we finish, and just like that, <laughs> did that intense 
companion podcast, which I didn't listen to this year because I was like, if you have to do a whole episode to justify your choices, then you're not making good TV. (laughs) But what so many people said is that listening to them talk about how they frame the show and set it up and then seeing the show, it goes to show no one sets out to make a bad TV show. Everyone on a TV set thinks they're making the best show. You know what I mean? Most of the time. They think they're making something great. If you get to the point where someone has given you money to make a TV show, you have to move mountains to get something made. If you get to that stage, there's very few people out there being like, this is shit and we hope no one watches it. Do you know what I mean? So I'm just thinking there's no such thing as rubbish TV. If you like it, it's great. Okay. We did get in a little bit of a tiff there, but I think we've come right in the end. Just to finish up, what is your unpopular opinion on And Just Like That? Oh, yeah. I had to had to drop this in because, again, I think everyone <laughs> has forgotten that with TV finales, you in a way should be challenged or be confused or sometimes there can be of a plot twist that's not, you know, like who killed someone or something. It can just be something that makes you think. And I've been thinking about the last episode of And Just Like That. The popular opinion was that it was a terrible idea for Carrie and Aiden to decide to wait five years and then rekindle their relationship down the line. Hey, no matter what happens, this... And this was not a mistake. I think I alluded to this at the time, but I've had more time to think about it. This is showing like a long game for a character in terms of someone who has always said that she's wanting a big love, an inconvenient love, which is what this is. It's the most inconvenient love. And seeing these characters make this unpopular opinion and seeing the way people ridiculed it, I'm like, we've forgotten what it's like to be, like, challenged by TV on that just more character level. Do you know what I mean? Like, we're always wanting some big explosion or some death or some happy ending, and we've forgotten what it's like when we used to just sit down and watch 20 episodes of a TV show over a year, what it's like to have those smaller moments and be challenged by them and not have something fit into, like, a cookie-cutter ending that's either some big breakup or death or a happily ever after. It's like the more TV we watch the smaller our opinions and expectations get. So that's what I would say. Sometimes finales are messy and they don't make a lot of sense or you have to go back 20 years into their TV legacy to find the answer. But that's good. It's challenging you. I tend to agree that now that we don't have sort of 22 episode seasons of shows anymore, you almost lose the real life stuff, the stuff that just every character would go through because they're a human, just like boring, more mundane or more sort of in the grey. Whereas now everything has to be sort of quick because you've got like an eight episode season or whatever. So I tend to agree. I can't comment on and just like that though, because famously do not watch it. And that's fine. <laughs> that's fine. You didn't, the popular opinion was to watch it and you chose not to. <laughs> Look, you're such a trendsetter. I'm just saying, yeah, when it comes to TV finales and opinions, we need to live more in the gray instead of coming in with like a hot black and white take. That's what I'm going to say. Live in the gray. That's my 2024 motto. Love that. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to The Spill today. This episode of The Spill was produced by Taylor Strano with audio production by Scott Stronach. We'll see you on mamamia.com.au and on The Spill Instagram. Bye. Bye.